This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their What's up, yo? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast alongside Ben McKee. This is Wes Rucker coming to you from Orlando, Florida, where on Saturday the Tennessee Volunteers booked their ticket to the Sweet 16 by taking down Duke, Big Bad Duke, 65-52, to I believe was the final score there at Amway Center, the home of the NBA's Orlando Magic. Uh, been a big, big day for Tennessee basketball. This was a, a game that I know you and I both thought Tennessee could win, but that Duke probably would win just because Duke uh, had won 10 consecutive games, had been playing basketball as well as anybody in the country recently. However, we said this on the podcast going into the game, Tennessee is stronger. Tennessee is older. Tennessee is more physical. If Tennessee can bully around Duke, Tennessee can win this game. That is exactly what Tennessee did. It pushed Duke around, up and down the floor. Olivier Kamwa had the game of his life. Uh, The final uh, 10 minutes or so of that game were, were probably as well as any Tennessee basketball player has played in a long time on the big stage that is the NCAA tournament. Uh, this season has been up and down, Ben. It has not been exactly what everyone thought it would be or could be all the time. But you get into this tournament, March Madness, anything can happen. Uh, come, I guess, about a week or, or about a day from now, there will be 16 teams playing for a national championship. Tennessee will be one of those teams. They will be in because of some of the other outcomes, they, they have a really nice chance of making it to the Elite Eight. We mentioned that on the pod last night as well. Tennessee's going to be playing Fairleigh Dickinson, who was lucky to get into the tournament. The only reason they got into the NCAA tournament was because the winner of their conference tournament was not eligible because they just become a D1 school. So Tennessee is playing Fairleigh Dickinson, who just became the second ever 16 seed to knock off a one seed when they beat Purdue on Friday night, Friday afternoon. And if not Fairleigh Dickinson, which probably won't be, it'll it'll probably be FAU. And, and look, FAU is a good basketball team. Don't don't get it twisted. And, and they are very capable of 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 beating Tennessee. I'm not going to say that whatsoever. They just beat a, a red-hot Memphis team and uh, a Memphis team that is really, really good and uh, certainly frustrated Penny, and Penny had balled up fists because of how good uh, FAU is. So you, you're, gonna, you're, you're walking into the Sweet 16 to, to play a team 
one of the two that you're better than, quite frankly, and, and you should win to advance to the Elite Eight. I, I do think FAU is better than Louisiana, but it is a Louisiana type of, of matchup, and, and then you advance to, uh, if you can win, you, you advance to the Elite Eight and face uh, Kentucky, Kansas State, Marquette, or I'm blanking on, on the fourth one off the top of my head, whoever uh, Marquette. Yes, most most likely going to be one of those three, uh, but there is a, a a fourth possible one. Whoever Marquette is is playing on on Sunday, oh, Sparty, Thomas. Sparty, yeah. So <laughs> cer- certainly can play uh, Michigan State as well. We know what Izzo does in the NCAA tournament, but uh, because of what Tennessee accomplished versus Duke, I mean it, it's set up to go to the Final Four. It is, and and uh, the, they are set up to go to the Final Four because of their performance against Duke. It, it was it was just a terrific performance. Uh, the, there's a pretty narrow landing strip that that Tennessee has to hit in order to win basketball games, and, and that landing strip. There's nothing at all wrong with winning in that way. And obviously that way is beating up on other teams and and just playing defense, lights out defense. And that's exactly what Tennessee did to Duke. And it may not be the sexiest, but it is it is A-OK to play that way and and that be what you do best. And, and Tennessee certainly showed that uh, against Duke. I, I promise you uh, scoring 62 points uh, against Duke or, or 65 points, excuse me, 65 points against Duke and winning feels just as good as scoring 90 points uh, against Duke and, and winning by seven. I, I promise you it feels just as good. Uh, and I kind of think it feels better. I mean, this this Tennessee basketball team, it, it has an identity, and it, it's kind of weird how we got to this point because I feel like some of their own have led them on this path, and, and we can dive into this later after we talk about the X's and O's of beating Duke and how it happened. But this Tennessee team kind of adopting an attitude that we haven't really seen before. There were several quotes to come out of the locker room after today's game about everybody doubting them and not believing in them and uh, talking about uh, the the national media members and and people nationally not believing in them and, and then also people here, a.k.a. referencing, in my opinion, the, the fan base as well. I, I do believe that was the case. But we're starting to, to see an identity pop up, and uh, that identity is is just we're just going to beat the crap out of you. And that's kind of been there all along. The alarming red flags were will those red flags prevent them from being able to succeed with what they do best. The, the turnovers we talked about on, on the pod late last night, they've got to limit the turnovers, single digits. And they forced uh, Duke into a bunch of – turnovers that led to a bunch of Tennessee points. I believe it was 15 Duke turnovers for 18 Tennessee points off of those turnovers. That, that was a huge difference in the game. And they knocked down shots. Santiago Vescovi was 4 of 8 from 3. Olivier Cumois was 3 of 4, and that was all in the second half. Uh, Josiah made a 3 to start the second half. Tyreek Key made a 3. They made nine threes. And uh, John Shire, the Duke coach, said it after the game. They, they usually don't shoot like that. Uh, and, and they shot it well. Uh, they out-rebounded Duke, uh, and, but the, the main thing is is that I thought Tennessee's physicality and experience was too much for Duke to handle, and say what you want about Urosh, I, I don't think he necessarily played great basketball today. Uh, Jonas Adu was terrific. You mentioned it earlier. Olivier Kamal had the, the night of his life 
27 points, tying a career high, and 23 of them came in the second half. Uh, scored 13 straight at at one point to to really answer a Duke run where it felt like Duke was about to come back and, and tie the game or or take the lead. And Olivier said that no, we're not having any of that. Um, but they they had to be physical and and they had to be they had to allow their experience to kind of overtake Duke. We talked about that on the pod, and I thought Urosh, although he didn't necessarily play well, I, I don't think he scored a single point, and I don't know how many rebounds he had. You're looking at it right now. He had three rebounds. Uh, he, he didn't necessarily play the game of his life, but those two early fouls, they, they may have they may not have been the smartest fouls. They may have been dumb, quite frankly, and, and Rick Barnes talked about how much he did not like those fouls in the postgame press conference. I do feel like it set a tone for the game. I think it probably did in some ways, although I, I, I think it's easy, you know, to look at a 13-point final score and say, you know, Tennessee just dominated Duke. That Duke did lead for more than 10 minutes of that game. Duke uh, was up 19-13. to 13, uh, with Then one of the biggest moments of the game happened where Vescovy hit that three because if Duke – we said this going into the game – if Tennessee ever gets behind by, like, double digits, no matter how much time's left on the clock, you feel like – Oh, no, can this offense overcome something like that? Tennessee was able to manage the game. Vescovy hit the big shot to get him right back into it. Uh, Tennessee then goes on a run, a huge run there late in the first half uh, with, with a really nice play with Vescovy setting up Adu for a layup uh, to go into the break there with the with the lead. Then James hits that three-pointer early in the second half. Tennessee's up by nine points at that point. Duke whittles it down a couple of times. So so I, I, I don't think really until the final 90 seconds or two minutes was it officially – kind of over at that point even you know Jemai Meshack had to go to the the free throw line twice um, and interestingly you don't see this very often makes the front end of the one and one then misses the second both times in a row but those were two big points for Tennessee Tennessee played with composure uh, Tennessee made Duke look like the youngest team on the floor which Duke was uh, that was something Tennessee it, 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 you talked about landing strip and, and I think that's a that's a that's a good way to put it um, I, I, I think you, you there's a difference in what Tennessee could be with Ziegler and what it could be without him I think we've discussed that ad nauseum we don't have to go into it too much more but Tennessee didn't necessarily need an inside straight draw to beat Duke but Tennessee had to do certain things in order to beat Duke. I think the physicality was number one. I think some people out there have called it a little bit dirty. I don't think it was dirty at all. I think you could make an argument. I don't know that I would agree with it. You could make an argument that Plofsic was maybe a little bit dirty there early on. That The, the one play, the, the clear out there. I didn't love that one. The second one, eh, whatever. That's just dumb basketball. Uh, Vescovy's play, not dirty at all. That's a basketball play. The referee told him he called the foul on him because Vescovy, when he ripped through, uh, he wanted him to go lower. Uh, but instead, he goes higher up near the face. The basketball catches the Duke player in the face. I don't think that's dirty at all. I, I think it's easy to say something is dirty when you look at the Duke locker room after the game and you see ice packs all over the place, you see bloody, you know, bandages and things all over the place. 
That's just kind of a, a, a backyard brawl is what that is. Uh, Tennessee is not going to win with style points right now. Maybe, you know, if Fairleigh Dickinson ends up beating FAU and then it's Fairleigh Dickinson, maybe Tennessee could put on a little bit of a show in that game and it could be, it could look a little sexy at times. But that is against good teams. That is not the formula for Tennessee right now. Um, but I think it's, it, it's huge. You talked about the, the mentality, the toughness, the, the little chippiness from, from Tennessee's players. I think that's good. I think it's also important that we have a conversation about why people felt the way they felt about this team. Um, this team still got basketball to play. We don't have to talk about the future just yet. Um, but even just less than 24 hours ago, we're sitting in this very room saying, no matter what happens the rest of this tournament, Tennessee needs to think in the offseason about what kind of basketball it wants to play. Uh, is this is this going to keep fans really, really excited and interested? But that's another topic for another day because right now, Tennessee has to go out there and win. And Tennessee, Ben, I think the players, some of the frustration that fans have felt toward this team are completely justified because this team, despite all the injuries, and those are very valid things that that have given them a hard time, they have gotten in their own way a lot. They have frustrated people a lot. And I think it's fine for people to be frustrated with this team. I really do. Uh, I don't think I don't think it's okay to go too far, and I think people have gone too far. I don't think it's okay to count this team out because no team with this much experience, this much size, pure strength should ever be counted out. But there was a reason people started to doubt this team, and, and I think if that doubt in some way ends up fueling this team, then good. Everybody wins at the end of the day. If whatever you take, whatever you need to motivate yourself, if a little bit of a um, little bit of doubt, a little bit of noise from the outside is what it takes. Hey, everybody's doing their job at the end of the day because the fans said what they needed to say. The players are a little bit upset, and if it makes them play better, so what? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, I want to go back to earlier and add that I, I think it is sexy to play the way that Tennessee did today I, I know it's not aesthetically pleasing from a you know basketball standpoint per se in terms of the the high-powered offenses that the NBA and, and colleges are, are really trying to to run and and a lot of teams are, are running these high-powered offenses uh, I mean look, look at kind of how Nate Oates from a stylistic standpoint has has changed basketball in the SEC and and it's not just Nate Oates Eric Musselman likes to play uh, that as well the the positionless basketball not not completely positionless but the the athletic freaks that can do a bunch of bunch of things and and really get up and down the floor and uh, it's it's three and D play great defense go knock down threes on the other end that that is the the new age of basketball that we are living in at at both at both levels and if it's not three and d it's and and you kind of get slowed down in the half court or or you can't get a good look from three it's isolate slash pick and roll with a an, an athletic big that can roll to the basket and and you throw it up for a lob i mean that, that is the new age basketball and and this isn't that that's not what tennessee basketball is and, and part of that is because 
Uh, Rick Barnes is at the tail end of his career. He he didn't start coaching basketball when the this new age philosophy came into to to be what people prefer and, and what a lot of coaches run with. So and, and that's not Rick's which is what I meant about the conversation at the end of, of the year that I think needs to maybe be had about what kind of basketball do you want to play. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but again, I, I still think it's sexy how Tennessee won the basketball game today. It, it may not be sexy in the sense that they they scored eighty points or whatever, but I think it's it's sexy that like how Tennessee just beat the living mess out of Duke. Like I do, I I find that very attractive. <laughs> I, I I think that is very attractive. How that that gets me fired up. Th- those are the type of teams that I prefer. The ones with the grit and the ones who aren't going to back down and the ones who are going to punch you in the mouth. And and if you can swing back, good for you. I thought Olivier Kumwa summed it up perfectly in the post game press conference. We we want to drag teams into the mud. Nobody is going to work harder than us. Nobody's going to play harder than us for 40 minutes. And if you can keep up with us, good for you. But most people can't. That's what Olivier Kumwa said after the game. And I think that is attractive, quite frankly. I, I love that style of play. Now obviously that that it it can't be Conzo and the Conzo's teams did that. They played hard and, and they were tough physical teams. But obviously, they didn't make shots along the way, even even more inconsistently than than this particular team. But like that, that there is a sexiness and, and an appeal to to being the the rough and tough bruiser and and the alpha male and and the King Kong of the jungle. Like I I like that. I, I'm obviously I'm I'm a little jaded because I, <laughs> I I love the Memphis Grizzlies and Tony Allen and Mark Gasol and, and Zach Randolph like that was the epitome of the grit and grind era, uh, and, and my Pittsburgh Steelers are, are known for their hard rock'em sock'em defense leading the way with Troy Palomalu and and freakish defenders like that. But I I like kind of being the alpha in the room and being the one to throw the punch first and seeing how the other person responds. And I, I am the bring your, you know, your, your lunch pail and your hard hat to work and you're not going to outwork me. You may be more talented, talented than me, like Duke probably is. A lot of those Duke players are going to play in the NBA more, more than this Tennessee roster will have play in the NBA. And, uh, I think it was Josiah said that like you can have all the talent in, in the world, but or maybe it was Urosh. I, I don't know. One of them said it, but you you've you've got to have some experience and some grit to you to win tournament games, and, and that's what this team has now. The frustrating part is that they haven't been able to do that consistently. They they haven't limited the the turnovers and. Uh, we mentioned the nine made threes earlier, which is a great number. That that'll win you a lot of basketball games, especially when you play defense the the way that they did. Like if if they knock down eight or nine threes and, and play defense the the way they did against Duke, they'll be going to the Final Four. I'll tell you that right now. They 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 will beat Marquette. They will beat Kentucky. They will beat Michigan State. They they will beat um, who's Kentucky playing? They will beat Kansas State. They will beat Fairleigh Dickinson. They will they will beat FAU. If they play defense the way they did today and they knock down seven, eight, nine threes, they'll be playing in the Final Four. So that, that landing strip is narrow, and fans have been 
right to be frustrated with this bunch because you see their ultimate potential. You, you see that they have the potential to do what they did today, and they're not doing it at a consistent level. So the frustrations were correct. It's the it's a small minority, and we've talked about this ad nauseum this season. It's a small minority, but it's a, a little bit more than it needs to be in terms of the size of that small minority. It's, it's a little bigger than it needs to be in terms of people that go over the top that want to just completely cancel the season after one performance or just say that they'll never be able to get over to the get over the hump under Rick Barnes the no reason to even play in the NCAA tournament because there's no way they're going to make it to the second round Rick Barnes needs to be fired just the people who were so over dramatic and went over the top it was more people than it should have been. And this basketball team, whether you like it or not, they took note of that. And it is fueling them right now on top of all the noise that they're hearing from the outside as well. Yeah. And, and they're hearing the noise. I mean, the, the, their own performances have, have were sort of the genesis of the whole thing. And I think that shouldn't be lost on anyone, but yeah, I, I think that, that it, um, and I've said this for a long time and I, I really believe this, you wait until the end of the season, especially in a sport like basketball, when anything can happen in the postseason. There's no sense in waiting until the end of the season to have some of those conversations and to see where things are. That doesn't mean people can't kick around the water cooler and say what they're going to say. And that, that that's life, right? We all do that. I mean, I, I've spent so many – if you counted up the seconds and, and minutes and hours of my life that I've spent – hating on decisions the Chicago Cubs have made. That, that's a long period of time, right? I mean, that's fans being fans. But I, I saw this. You talked about that Conzo team, uh, the one that got to the Sweet 16 there. You know what fueled that team? The outside noise and, and a little bit of it, them turning against some of their own fans, the petition, all that stuff. That fueled that team. And to this day, some of those players on that team that rubbed them the wrong way, and they have not forgotten it. They they love Tennessee. That's all good. Um, but they remember that, and they don't like that. So there's a lot of stuff going on, but what we know is that Tennessee is still in the NCAA tournament. It is going to Madison Square Garden. It does have uh, an interesting, interesting bracket there. There's no question about it. I'll be honest. I picked Marquette to win the national championship. I really like that Marquette team. I, you know, I, that could be a tough matchup for Tennessee if it gets that far. If that's the team, uh, you never want to play Izzo in March. We've seen how much of a matchup issue Kentucky is for Tennessee. You talk about matchups. This is a matchup sport. There's a lot of reasons why you say, eh, there's still some work to be done. But Tennessee now has an opportunity to go do something about that they get the opportunity to go play those games. So there's a lot more to discuss, and we will do that. But before we do that, we're going to step away for just a second. Uh, we're a little bit overdue for a break. We're going to pay some bills, listen to product services, in-house ads, etc., and then be right back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Money! 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Alongside Ben McKee, this is Wes Rucker coming to you from Orlando, Florida, where Tennessee has defeated the Duke Blue Devils. The Blue Blood got a little black and blue today. Tennessee took care of business, physically overwhelmed Duke, especially down the stretch in a 65-52 to win. And the Vols have moved on. They will go to the Sweet 16 next week in Madison Square Garden, the mecca of basketball. The Vols will play either Fairleigh Dickinson or Florida Atlantic, which, of course, the AD at Florida Atlantic is one of the siblings of Tennessee Athletic Director Danny White. So there's there could be some interesting um, stories there. Of course, it seems like Danny White has a sibling at like every school in the country doing something that's a big family and they're all in college athletics. Um, and, and certainly there's a pedigree there, but regardless, Tennessee is still playing basketball. It will be playing basketball Thursday night. Uh, we'll get the tip time to you as soon as we have it. There's a lot more to discuss about Tennessee beating Duke about the weekend here in Orlando in general, about the future, about what's going on in this NCAA tournament. And we're going to do more of that after uh, we go through our quick spiel here that we do every time because it is important. Please, please, guys, go in there and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening on the website there, goballs247.com, nothing wrong with that. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. What helps us out the most, though, is if you go in there, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. No complaints from our end. However, since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there and rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Tell people that you see walking around down here in Orlando, Florida. Tell people that you see in the stands at games tell people you see walking around town at church walking your dog out at the golf course weather's getting a little warmer in a lot of the country playing a little more golf tell people you see out there tell, tell people you see the clubhouse tell people you see out at the movie theater not during the movie that's rude but you know walking into it anytime you see anyone anywhere wearing tennessee gear please tell them about this podcast and then please go in there rate review and subscribe if you're doing all those things thank you we love you if not I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Ben, when you talk about frustration with this Tennessee basketball team, the object of a lot of frustration 
uh, for Tennessee fans at certain points. And I think I would argue uh, none of them less frustrated than Rick Barnes about the situation is why Olivier Kamwa doesn't do things like he did against uh, Duke and things he did against Texas on a more consistent basis. Uh, You know, I I think both of us have have covered this program throughout the entirety of his college career. Uh, The young man's talent has always been there. He's had some injuries. There's been some little issues. Um, But the talent for him to do things like he did in this game, that talent's always been there. Uh, Ben, in in that that second-half stretch there, when he scored, I think, 17 of Tennessee's final 19 points, he scored at all three levels. He hit mid-range jumpers. He hit fallaway jumpers off of either foot. He hit uh, some layups and dunks. Uh, he hit a th- couple of three-pointers. He, he had a tip, put-back dunk. He did all of the things that he can do. And get this, zero turnovers for him in this game. He didn't have one of those dropping the ball in traffic moments. He didn't have one of those not looking when the pass is coming moments. He put together, other than the foul trouble in the first half, a complete basketball game. And while I don't think anyone expects the young man to score 27 points a game, uh, that's hard to do at the college level, especially with 40 minutes in a game. What he did today, why he can't do some version of that on a more consistent basis, I I don't know and I don't think we'll ever know. At this point, he's probably not going to become a consistent player. But the reason Rick Barnes has never given up on him and will never give up on him is because of days like Texas and days like today because he can, at his best, go win basketball games against anybody in the country. He can for sure, and and that's why from Olivier's freshman year, Rick Barnes has has always been high on Olivier Kumwa and and talked about his future. And and going back to what I was discussing about the modern age of of basketball, like Olivier Kumwa is the – the prototypical new age basketball player. Uh, obviously, he is a big man. He is a post player, but he is somewhat of a positionless post player. He he's not he's not the traditional center by any stretch of the imagination. But he he and he, technically he's a power forward. But he he's not going back to Zach Randolph. He's not Zach Randolph. And Zebo made threes at the end of his career, but in terms of playing out on the perimeter as a defender, being able to switch onto anybody, being able to bang with with bigger bodies in the post, he he can do those things. Uh, and then offensively, you you said it, he scored at every level there in the second half, and he he kind of kick started his performance. Uh, he had some nice plays in the first half, but uh, what what started his twenty three point performance in the second half was that pass that he caught from Tyreek Key on on an alley-oop that was for a layup and he was fouled and that's going into the timeout and he makes the free throw. I mean, it was just, he has all the athleticism in the world and that, that is what makes him so good when he is at his best is that he is utilizing that athleticism. And you saw that on the little alley-oop layup from Tyreek while getting fouled. Uh, and he, he doesn't make them as much as he's capable of making them, but he he does make mid-range jumpers, turning around, fading away, that just kind of make you drop your jaw, quite frankly, for, for just a, a simple turnaround, fading away, mid-range jumper. I mean, he, he is just so athletic and, and can kind of contort his body any way possible while he's in the air to get off a, a shot, uh, but he can do that, and then he, he can – 
he can catch a, a shot or catch a pass in rhythm and and drain a three. He can catch the ball in the corner, which happened exactly in front of you and I. And he catches it right there in the corner, kind of thinks for a second about what he's going to do and says, OK, I'm going to shoot this and drains it with a hand in his face like he's capable of doing all those things and, and doing it at a high level. I mean, he was the best player on the floor in the second half. And <laughs> there are lottery picks on the other side on that Duke roster and first round picks and, and future NBA players. Uh, so it, it obviously has been maddening that. Tennessee hasn't been able to find a way to get that out of him consistently. I don't, I, I don't have an explanation. I don't, I don't know why he hasn't been able to do so. But when, when he's at his best, he, he's one of the best all-around, all-around players in, in the conference for sure, in the SEC. And with performances like Texas and, and today against Duke, it's hard not to say that when he's at his best, he's capable of being one of the best players in the entire country when, when he is playing to his absolute potential because he's done it against elite competition on multiple uh, occasions this season. And, and I, I'm, I'm honestly just on a personal level really happy for him just because of kind of all he's been through throughout his career. He, he has had some adversity out outside of his own control we, we do talk about his inconsistencies but he, he was playing pretty well last year when he suffered the season ending injury didn't get to play in the NCAA tournament uh, didn't get to play in the NCAA tournament the the year COVID canceled the season and uh, and then earlier earlier in in his career when Tennessee lost to Oregon State um, that, that was kind of a weird year weird team because of the the not a bad locker room dynamic per se but not what it is right now and and I think that was because of the COVID stuff you just couldn't hang out with anybody and how do you come close together and build team camaraderie if if, no you you can't and I mean he he was playing at that point but wasn't playing like he is now so the the point that I was going to he wasn't a major contributor at at that point Uh, so for for him to kind of battle through the adversities throughout his career and and look people are harsh on Olivier they are and and I recognize that he's not been consistent and and that is frustrating and and Tennessee needs him to be consistent I recognize all of that but and kind of going back to to that small minority just taking it a little too far a, a, a little few too many people that that small minority it's small but it's still bigger than it should be if, if that makes sense like there, there's kind of that same conversation around Olivier and people just oh, he's not good he's trash why does Rick play him Tobey Awaka needs to be playing over him Jonas Adu needs to be playing over him why, why would Tennessee ever want him back and you know just things of that nature like he sees all that he does. They all see it. Josiah sees it. Sees it. That's why you see the comments that they make after the game today. Santi sees it. That, that's why they make the comments that, that they do. And you can call them soft if, if you want to be an old boomer and call them soft and, and this and that and don't pay attention to it. That's fine. But some of y'all can learn to bite your tongue every now and then and, and not be as harsh. It, it's fair to criticize, but there's a way to criticize uh, so for, for him to kind of hear that noise and, and deal with season-ending injuries and, and things of that nature, he, he's a terrific young man, uh, ha- has always been very kind to the media when, when he does speak. He gives the best answers on the team because of how, because of how thoughtful uh, he is. He, he, he tells you exactly what he thinks, 
and, and will give you a legitimate answer and, and not just player speak or, or coach speak. He'll give you a, le- a legitimate answer. And, and he's been just a joy to deal with uh, on a human level. So I was really excited uh, to see him, especially after I had been messing with him all week long since we got here on I we saw them for the first time on Wednesday the 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 day before media and I was messing with him that the O himself O was going to have a a big week in the O like it was it was destiny there there's no way that the O was going to come down to the O and and not play well and and I told him jokingly that there there's a big Ozo sign in there that's the first thing I said when I saw him they hadn't gone to the floor yet for for their day before Louisiana practice and I said there's a big Ozone sign out there it's it's just like you don't even have to worry about it. You're gonna play well. And funny enough, all twenty three of those second half points to to lead his team to the sweet sixteen came on the end of the floor, came on the end of the arena where the big ozone sign was. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, is um is that a hashtag Ben New? Is that what that is? Do we have a hashtag Ben New that's now? Hash, that's hashtag insight. Ah, uh, the the one of those McKees to the game. Yeah, the there there's a lot of I go back to early in my career, a football coach that I covered who is was not a Tennessee coach. It was somewhere else. And he just constantly, one of his best players, he was riding the kid all the time. And one day I was like, you know what? This was off the record with the coach. I was like, you know, this player, y'all aren't very good. You'd be terrible without him. Why are you riding this guy all the time? And the coach, without skipping a beat, goes, that's exactly why. Because he doesn't suck. Because he goes, why would I waste time yelling at kids who aren't going to be able to do any better? What you do is, if a, if you're frustrated with a player, it's normally because that player's capable of doing more. Like, if a guy just isn't very good, you go, you know what? It's not his fault. He's just not very good. He's not as good as the other guys he's playing. That That's, that's genetics, right? He didn't win the lottery. That's just what it is. But when you know what a guy is capable of, I think that is what makes the frustration, what takes it up a notch, is because someone is capable of doing that. I will say with Olivia Cumball, and this sort of ties everything together in my mind, Ben, is that you know Rick Barnes said after the game, he said, I don't know that I've ever been around a group of kids who sort of deserve something like this more than this team because of everything they've been through this season with the injuries and everything else. And I realize we're talking about sports here and not life. There are obviously, you know, talk about like Zakai Ziegler and his past and like some of the things you go through in life that are a lot more serious than sports. But within the context of just sports, with the injuries and everything else, this team has been through a lot. But sometimes if you stick with it when things aren't going your way, you do get a couple of breaks when you need them. And Mark Mitchell, you know, kind of for, for Duke, one of their star freshmen, a, a guy who is their best kind of wing forward defender, a guy who I guarantee you, if he didn't start the game on Olivia Cumwall, he would have been guarding him when Olivia Cumwall went on here there late in the game. He has a knee that he tweaked right before the start of the game, like five minutes before. Duke had to rush out of the tunnel to go in there and tell them to change the starting lineup uh, before they announced everything. That was, and I'm not saying it's obviously unfortunate for him. There's no question about it. It's unfortunate for Duke. It sucks. But, you know, sometimes Tennessee needed a break. Tennessee had probably, through karma, earned a break because this season – 
I don't know that that people fully understand, and I think a lot of people do, but I think there are a lot of people who also, Ben, do not understand that this team has not been healthy and fully firing all season long. Josiah Jordan James missed a lot of the offseason, had those knee injuries, then he has the ankle injury, right? You know, and, and he, he can come back and he can't. Julian Phillips with the hip flexor. And we saw some glimpses today, but he's still not fully what he was before that injury. You know, obviously everyone knows the Zakai Ziegler deal. Santiago Vescovi misses time with a shoulder. And, and I still don't think that thing is quite 100%, but he's such a dog, he'll never admit it. He won't admit that it's bothering him. You can still see when he falls sometimes. It's a little sore. There's something going on there. But this team, this team has, I think, earned a couple of breaks. And if that Mark Mitchell thing is a break, if potentially playing a 16 seed or a 9 seed in the Sweet 16 is a break, I'm fine with that. Because you 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 usually if you go about things the right way, you're going to get back from life what you put into it. And this team has been through a lot and I think if it gets to have just a little bit of grace here in the postseason, I fair's fair in my opinion, Ben. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. You want to see good things happen to good people, quite frankly. Um, and if, if there was a, a group in the country that deserves to to go to the Final Four, it's it's this Tennessee bunch. And, and that's not to say that uh, other teams haven't worked just as hard or uh, haven't put in the same amount of work and, and don't deserve it as well. But they they deserve good things to, to happen to them. Uh, and because of who they are as people, I, I think more importantly, they, they're just they're, there's not a, a butthead on that basketball team in, in that locker room, uh, especially the, the core group of, of players. They're, they're, they're all really, really good people and somebody that you would want your kids to be friends with, quite frankly. So they, they deserve all the success in the world. Rick Barnes deserves success. I, I, I hate that. Rick is a very, very, very good basketball coach. He is. He, he may not be, and this is really nitpicking, because I think it's hard to say that a Hall of Fame coach isn't a great coach. Uh, and, and, and maybe we, we can nitpick and split hairs a little bit more and say that he's a, a great coach, but the, the lack of... He, he's not an elite coach, like one of the greatest ever, and and that's perfectly fine. I mean, he, he is a great basketball coach. He is a Hall of Fame basketball coach. Anybody who thinks that he is not is is it's just silly. It, it is. And yes, I re I recognize that there there should have been more accomplished in March, but hopefully people are starting to realize that hey, this NCAA tournament thing is really 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 hard, really hard because of of just how much can can go wrong. Purdue, I mean, Kansas is is going home, and, and like Bill Self has to to have a, I mean, he practic, he may have had a heart attack, but he had to have like stents put in his heart, and I I think I can't remember who said it right after Kansas lost. I, it might have been Kenny Smith on the broadcast, but whoever it was on the broadcast said that he he's probably good for two points, Bill Self, and. 
out of nowhere, Bill Self has to have stints put in in his heart and had, can't coach in the NCAA tournament. And an Arkansas team that was not good for most of the season. They, they were good at the start, and av- after some injuries, they just were kind of never able to hit their stride literally until this weekend. Literally until this weekend. Tennessee beat them by 20 a couple of weeks ago with, with practically no Ziegler after Ziegler tears his ACL in a game. And again, you just don't know what's going to pop up. Bill Self, like if he's coaching, he probably is good for two points. And they lost by a point. Mark Mitchell today with Duke, you just have no idea what's going to pop up. And Zach Eady versus Tennessee's post would have been a fascinating matchup. I I don't know how Tennessee would have defended him. You would think that the physicality would, would have allowed them to do so. But outside of Eady, like – they they lack athleticism on the perimeter. That that's why they lost. That's why they're no longer playing this season because they only have Zach Eady. So it is a break. There, there's no doubt a, about that. And you would rather play fairly Dickinson <laughs> than Although Purdue. Fast good teams. They they are. Uh, so so maybe they. I mean they they play better against Duke than they played Louisiana. <laughs> they played Texas and Alabama and all those other teams better than Florida and Vanderbilt and. Colorado, so there is something to that, but uh, they they deserve success. There's no doubt about that, but just because you deserve success and just because you're a good person doesn't mean that you will have success, and this next weekend, it's going to be even tougher uh, for for Tennessee. I I think it'll be even tougher this upcoming weekend than this weekend because I I think they're going to have more pressure on them. Like th- this is a feel-good story today, and I, I do think there is a a sense of relief because now at worst you made it to the to the second weekend, you made it to the Sweet Sixteen for the tenth or the ninth time in program history. Like there there is a quite a bit that you can hang your hat on to to if the season comes to an end in the Sweet Sixteen. If 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 for some reason Tennessee doesn't win, like they still they still accomplished something. It may maybe not as much as they could have accomplished and maybe it comes down to a a frustrating end but you you still accomplished something by making the sweet 16 and and making the sweet 16 is is nothing to scoff at especially when you beat duke without zakai ziegler uh and with the way that they were scuffling to to end the season that that there is quite a bit to hang your hat on there but the reason I say that I think they'll have more pressure on them, not because it's the Elite Eight and, and the Sweet 16, that there's more to play for. And I'm more so just specifically speaking to the Sweet 16, because if they get to the Elite Eight post-Ziegler, like I thought the ceiling for this team was Elite Eight. If if they make the Elite Eight, then like I think at that point you're playing with house money, and we can have that conversation later on in the week. But to, to specifically talk about this Sweet 16 game against Fairleigh Dickinson, against FAU. FAU is going to be a tough team for Tennessee to knock out. There, there's no bones about that. I've said that several times. But it's going to it, it's going to push Tennessee. It's going to test Tennessee, and they will have the pressure on them because you should beat FAU, and you should beat Fairleigh Dickinson. And, and I know that existed with Louisiana, especially – nationwide but at at that first round game it kind of felt like only people were only Tennessee people were paying attention to Tennessee because there were so many other I know they were the last game of the day but with it being the first round there was still so much going on whereas now it's like there's only a couple of games a a day there will be four on Thursday four on Friday 
and if I'm not mistaken, two on Saturday and and two on Sunday uh, to to go to the to the Final Four. So th- there's going to be a lot more people kind of watching this Tennessee team now, especially after they beat Duke. It's in Madison Square Garden. It's in New York City. It's the Sweet 16. And we, we talk about catching a break. Like, yeah, it's great that they're going to play Fairleigh Dickinson or, or FAU instead of a, a Memphis team or a Purdue team. But I, I also think that you add pressure to yourself because everybody's saying Tennessee should win. Tennessee should win. And, yes, that existed with Louisiana, but I do think it's different because it's the, the Sweet 16 and, and more eyes will be on them. And uh, how they handle that pressure, I think they'll handle it fine. Um, I, I don't think that this is a team that wilts under pressure um, because of, of the culture of, of that locker room. But there's going to be a lot of pressure on them because – like even my expectations have have changed for the Sweet 16. Like you should win this game. There's there's no reason that you should not be in the Elite Eight. Yeah, there's no reason that that it, that that shouldn't happen at this point. I mean, the bracket sort of opened up. A lot of people thought that 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 that, that Purdue was a team that was very beatable, that was not playing its best at the end of the season. Uh, but you know what? They also said the same thing about Tennessee. And Tennessee is still standing. Tennessee uh, is still going on. We will have we will have plenty, um, obviously, of more coverage on the site. And I'm talking, you know, there's there's stories, content, video. There's uh, obviously podcasts now. There's uh, going to be some photo galleries. There's going to be everything because because this is uh, this is a big day for Tennessee, a big weekend for Tennessee. And now we'll see what they do with it because. Um, still that time of year i mean you play well enough you give yourself a chance you you might continue your season uh, if you don't you're you're probably going home uh, and the last time tennessee played in the garden obviously uh, did not shoot the basketball very well at all now they weren't playing with that they were playing with a different basketball and there were some weird things going on there so uh, whatever at, at, well, no but none of the four teams in the garden that night shot the ball worth a flip so i i think that that is uh, we will see. You don't want that to happen again. But you know what? The way Tennessee's playing defense now, Ben, uh, maybe they can withstand something like that because uh, they are playing uh, defense uh, and have for most of the season at a ridiculous level. And to show they could do that without Zakai Ziegler being the, the tip of the spear on that defense, that's big. Jonas Adu, I don't know that we'll talk enough about what kind of performance he had this weekend. He was very very good. He was the kind of Jonas Adu that they need. He, he he affected a lot of things at the rim. He got some big tough rebounds. Uh, he he did some good stuff. There were we mentioned it. There were a little couple little glimpses of of Julian Phillips kind of maybe a little bit reemerging. Uh, Josiah Jordan well, James were big at a huge time too. I, I know the second one for sure, and I think the the first one. The second one came when Duke was kind of starting to, to, to crawl back into it and, and gain some momentum, and, and that kind of swayed the momentum back in, in Tennessee's favor. And I, if I remember correctly, that first one did the same thing. Yeah, and there were some other things too. I mean, Tyreek Key, I didn't think athletically this was going to be a great matchup for him. Um, but you know what? Uh, Tyreek, he made a big three. He had some really nice plays on defense, some good moments there. Certainly um, was not a liability. Maybe once or twice he got picked on, but really held his own there pretty well. Uh, Uros Pavsic didn't do anything offensively, had a couple of weird moments, but uh, and weird. I mean, he, he, he was doing Uros stuff. Um, but also had a couple of really big rebounds there in the second half. Uh, that was a comprehensive team defensive 
performance that was really, really impressive, if I can get the words out of my mouth. So Tennessee moves on. There's a lot more to discuss. We will continue doing that on the site. Unless you got anything else, Ben, I think we can we can put a bow on this one and, and move on. No, I just want to touch on Jonas Adu a little bit more before we get out of here because he was tremendous on, on both ends of the floor. I, I remember discussing back early in the season that, that I thought that Jonas Adu, we were going to look up at the end of the year and he was going to be a, a difference maker for Tennessee. And, and that's what he was. He, he was absolutely a difference maker on both ends of, of the floor. He had some big time buckets, knocked down a mid-range jumper. You talked about the, the layup, and I know it's just a layup, but but still uh, involved in, in key plays there to end the half. And what he was given defensively, he had a steal, he had two blocks, and, and he told uh, <laughs> after that second block, he said, get that ish out of here. I, I did not know Jonas was capable of, of that type of emotion. No, he, he was definitely he was definitely fired. You saw a different Jonas Adu emotionally, letting out some yells, letting out some get that ish out of here, uh, and, and letting Duke know about it. And he, he told me the other night he grew up a North Carolina fan because of his mom, but obviously grew up watching both Duke and, and North Carolina being from Durham. And he was a top 50, top 75 recruit. But Duke, North Carolina, did not want him. And I'm sure Duke would have loved to have had him on their team yesterday. Uh, or I guess now it is yesterday. But uh, he, he was just tremendous. And, and he was a difference maker. And it, you're starting to get that from him consistently. And that is a huge development. We, we talk about the new age style of basketball players. And, and he's that. 3 and D. He, he, he'll do that more professionally. Um, but I also think he'll do that more as his Tennessee career develops. I, I, I do think Rick, he mentions it all the time when he talks about Jonas, that he can knock down that perimeter shot and he doesn't know why he doesn't take it more. Um, but he, he, he is what the new age style of basketball is. And I think that's part of the reason he was so successful against Duke because he, he is just as athletic and long as those Duke players. And, and he was just a, an absolutely huge, huge, huge difference maker. And especially with the way the game started, I, I do think that Urosh's fouls were dumb. Those first two ones to, to get on the bench, they were dumb. They were bad fouls, especially the first one. Just forearm checking the guy <laughs> along the, the baseline. Maybe dirty's the wrong word, but there was a little something in that. Yes, it, it, I, I don't think it was dirty, as, as you said, but it also wasn't your standard forearm to the back to, to box out or seal off or, or something along. There, there was a little extra sauce on there, but Uros has to leave the game early, and Jonas kind of thrown in there a little bit earlier than he probably expected, and, and he adapted well, and, and, and he was critical. So uh, Tennessee, great opportunity this week. We talked on the pod last night about how great of an opportunity it was to play Duke in the NCAA tournament in the second round with a, a Sweet 16 berth on the line. And now Tennessee gets to, to go to New York City to play in Madison Square Garden with uh, a chance to make it to the – second elite eight ever for this for this program and they have a legitimate chance to go to the final four and two days ago I probably would not have believed that as much as I do at the moment and I know it's just one performance but the 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 bracket did kind of fall in in Tennessee's favor 
I, and I say kind of because I do think that FAU game is going to be just as tough as if it were Memphis or even Purdue, honestly. I like that FAU team is the real deal. It is legit, and they're going to give Tennessee a, a serious push. But still, it, it fell in Tennessee's favor, and they they – they played to their potential today, and I do. I truly believe that playing to their potential is winning a national championship. Like this team can win a national championship. They've beaten Alabama. They've beaten Texas. They've beaten Duke. They they've beaten several teams that prove that. But it's why they've been so frustrating all season long is because they haven't done it consistently. And we'll see if they do it consistently. But as I said earlier, if they show up and they play defense the way they did today and they don't have to knock down all the shots, but they still played well offensively. Shot 44%, I believe, from the floor and was 9 of 21 for over 40% from three. Out-rebounded Duke. Offensive rebounds had double digits for, for double-digit second-chance points. And really, we, we keep talking, or I keep talking about the, the shots going in. The, the the turnovers, just limit the turnovers. Just limit the turnovers. They were, don't, do don't do dumb stuff. I mean, it's 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 really that simple. If, if they keep it to single digits and they're able to just not go ice cold from three and they play defense the way that they are, I'm telling you, they'll be in the Final Four. They could be there. And you know what? We, we see – you talk about Tennessee getting in these rock fights. You look at some of these scores now as we're recording this. Bama's got about 57 points with less than five minutes left in the second half. There's a lot of rock fights in this tournament right now. That that has sort of been a thing. You know, you, you get a little bit, you get a little tight, get a little lemon booty, you get some of that stuff going on. Uh, we, we will see. Uh, there's a lot more uh, to discuss because, you know what, Tennessee's got more basketball to play, and we'll be there to cover it. Again, uh, thanks for listening to this edition of the podcast. We'll be back again as soon as we possibly can, I, I would imagine, here in, in no more than a couple of days. Uh, and then we'll be in New York, and we'll have more there. So, uh, Ben, thanks for being here, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Wes. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, 
less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.